believe God has a, a message for us tonight. The message for the third part is understand the will of God. Everybody say, understand the will of God. So, um, oh, I forgot to have you say what you're supposed to say. We cannot. Yeah, you were, you're so good. You restaurants are so good. All right, let's just say this while you're seated. I think you can say it seated or standing. We're not real, you know, into that. It's not a doctrine. Okay, here we go. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody and say it's really simple. Um, tonight we're uh, going to talk about the will of God. You know, I think a lot of times... Uh, People misunderstand that God really does have a will in every situation. Now, he gave us a free will, so we have the opportunity to get in agreement with him or do what we would like to do. And if you've been in, like, your life, like I've been in mine at times, I've made my own decisions, and then I've decided to agree with God. And I think agreeing with God and doing what God wants me to do is probably the better decision. How many would agree with that? But if you don't know the will of God, then the Bible says just ask God. James 1 says, just ask God if you need wisdom. He'll give you wisdom wisdom liberally. That means he'll give it to you. He doesn't withhold anything good from us. So if you're, if you're able to look at your outline there, if you have your Bible, that's great. If not, look at the screen. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes 3, and this is um, where the scripture that we've been using. We're going to read it again in 3.1, if you're following with me. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then it goes on and lists all the different times that, that come in a life. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow. We talked about this one Sunday, a time to keep silence. If you didn't hear that message, it's available in the bookstore. You really need to get that message. It will help you in in walking out the timing of God in your life. A time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. And in verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Everybody say, in its time. You know, when you get in the timing of God, things are beautiful. If you get out of the timing of God and try to make things happen in your own time, there's an opportunity for mistakes. And we're going to talk about that tonight in regards to God's will for your life. Every one of you, God knows about. It says in Philippians 1, 6, and I like this scripture, but I'm, I want to read a little bit more to you than just uh, what's going to show up on the screen. Let me turn to it. If, if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 1, and this is Paul uh, sharing in Philippians chapter 1. And he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident. Everybody say being confident. Yes, being confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What that means is until the day you go to see Jesus or till he comes and the trumpet sounds on the earth, until that day, God is working in your life for you to do his will, his will. And he's putting things in your life to direct you in flowing with that will. And sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. But if we open our eyes and really listen, 
open our eyes to what we see, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, we can find the way that God has prepared for us because he's not hiding that from us. It says he, we can be confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it. And then it says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, did you know Paul's from the south? That's what we said in Oklahoma. We just said he had to be from the south. Because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers. There he is again, y'all. Are partakers with me of, of, of grace. Now, grace is God's unmerited favor, but it's also God's ability in you, working through you to bring you to the place that God has for you. And last week we talked about, does God really care about timing? Well, of course, Ecclesiastes lets us know. He says there is a time for every, everything, everything. Everybody say everything. There's a season for things in our life. And tonight I want you to look at 2 Samuel. We're going to talk a little bit about um, when, you, when you get out of the timing of God or you try to do something that's not in the will of God for your life. If you'll turn to 2 Samuel... It said, we're going to look at uh, chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at um, verse 1. Um, you know, it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm going to skip a little bit ahead in your outline just for this purpose. It talks about how God uh, wants us to renew our mind. Everybody say, renew your mind. And it, the, the ultimate purpose is, in the uh, second verse, is that we would know the good acceptable and perfect will of God. So in renewing our mind, there's a purpose for that. Everybody say there's a purpose. And, and it, it, the purpose is that we have a lot of things in our mind that we'd like to do. We have a lot of things that we think it'd be good things to do. But when we renew our mind to the word of God, when we put the word of God in our heart, begin to renew our mind to the word of God, we begin to hear what God's will or God's plan is. And that's why it says in the end, we will know that we will have the perfect will of God. Now, there are not three wills, good, acceptable, and perfect. Those are all adjectives, divine uh, showing what his will is. And so they're, they're good. The will of God's good. The will of good, God is acceptable and the will of God is perfect. But we have no connection to that in our mind unless we renew our mind to the word of God. And that's why it's so important that we read the word of God. If you're reading the word of God, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to convict you or to change your mind. How many of you have had your mind changed as you've read the word of God. And some of those things that we just think that's exactly what I'm going to do. And God says, that's a good idea, but it's not a God idea. And so he corrects us as we do that. It says that he beseeches us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I think a lot of people take that to mean, oh, brother, it's going to be a bad thing we're going to have to do. I mean, living sacrifice. That sounds like we're going to Africa or we're going to the backside of the desert or we're going to be poor. You know, I think that's the way the church has interpreted a living sacrifice. All that means is that we're willing to submit ourselves to what God's will is for our life. And I can tell you from all the years I've lived, his will was a lot better than mine. In a lot of situations where I thought it should be this way, the way it's turned out has been a lot better. And so as we look at this, you know, God had a plan for David. He was to be the king of Israel. He fought a lot of battles. He went through a lot of things with Saul, who was the king before him. He was anointed. We talked about that last week on Wednesday night. He was anointed long before he was put into the office. And he had to walk through a lot before he was put 
into the position of being the king, first of Judah and then of Israel. And so uh, in this in this particular part of scripture, we're going to read about where he missed it. Everybody say missed it. And it says it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Everybody say the time. Now, at the time kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab his ser- and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Well, if it's the time for kings to go to battle, where should David have been? In battle. Now, you know, when my husband relates his story, he says, well, Bathsheba shouldn't have been on the balcony with no clothes on. That's fine. You know, we can, we can look at that. It's the same as Eve and Adam, you know, it, you know, you can put it back and forth, but it's obvious from scripture that God held him accountable for what happened in this story. And the price that he paid in this situation was very high and Bathsheba as well. Now the good news is, everybody say the good news is Jesus comes out of the lineage with Bathsheba. So God is a restorer of mistakes. So right now, you know, I don't want you to think, ooh, if I miss the timing of God, it's all over. No, but there will be consequences and things that happen as a result of those decisions. So at a time when David was supposed to be thinking about going to war, leading his people, being where he was supposed to be as the king, he stayed home. And immediately, everybody say immediately, the devil came and began to tempt him in an area where he was obviously weak. And so the devil used that opportunity. And if you, if you uh, study a lot of the commentaries and you read the scripture, from this time here on, David was never the warrior. The, the strength was not in him like it was before. Once this happened in his life, he, he was never as strong a leader after that point as he was before. I'm not saying that God didn't make him a strong leader, but that, that happening in his life took something away from him. It, it depleted him in an area. So God's timing is very critical in our lives. And if God tells us to be somewhere, we need to be there. We may not understand why. You know, they might not have needed him to win that battle. Obviously, they won. They defeated the enemies. They, they did what they were supposed to do. But he was not where he was supposed to be. And so in that lesson, we need to see... You know, I might want to be doing whatever God gave me to do. Sometimes where God has us is not the most pleasant place. But the timing of being in that place is critical to our future. And to be out of that place could be detrimental to our future. So whatever timing we're in, we need to stay there. Everybody say, stay put. And that's really critical in a lot of people's lives. Uh, People who, you know, God has shown them things they're going to do and they want to do it. You know, and they're trying to get there and and they end up making a decision and they get out of that flow of God's timing and they get ahead of God. Or on the other hand, they don't go as in the timing of God to do what they're supposed to do, which is what he didn't do. He didn't leave and go to war. Another place I want us to look at is in second Samuel seven. If you'll just go back a few, a few pages and this time everything got stopped and, and it became the way God intended for it to be. Um, And this is really an important story because in the kingdom of God, once we know the Lord, the scripture says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. And I can remember when my uh, husband first got saved and we were going to move to Tulsa, he had, he had some real visions of what God was going to do with him. And, uh, 
the, the beginning visions weren't God. I can just tell you that. But he was so excited, and he knew the Lord. And, and, and many of you, me, myself included, all of us, when we know the Lord, suddenly it, it adds to us this dimension of it's possible. It's possible for me to do this. And if we haven't renewed our mind or stepped into all the fullness of what God wants to do, we get God hooked up with our idea. And we begin to say, nothing is impossible with God. And that's true if it's God. But if it's not God, sometimes we can get there, but God's not in it. And we see many believers, we have seen over the years, believers that have fallen away because they begin to quote scripture. But what they weren't doing is understanding the will of God. So they were quoting scripture, trying to get it to hook up with their plans that they had had in their life before they came to the Lord. And he began to, you know, chop off some of those things that were real glamorous. You know, I knew it. I knew now I can do it. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do this. And so it's important that we understand that like David, he was assigned to win battle after battle after battle after battle. He had an assignment for God for his life. But then his assignment ended and the assignment went to his son. And God had kind of given him the idea of what was coming, but David didn't fully grasp the idea. And really, David here in this scripture we're going to read about was not really trying to be somebody or do something. He was really trying to do something for God. And oftentimes that's what we think we're doing. I'm just, I'm, I've had people say to me, I'm playing the lottery for God. <laughs> and you know what? They're, they're, they're born again. They know the Lord, but they have not renewed their mind to. They're just putting money in something and money in something and money in something. Now, you know, if God tells you to play the lottery, you go ahead and play the lottery. I'm just telling you that doesn't really go along with scripture if you examine a lot of other scriptures. But, but when you're growing in God, you know, he'll, he'll help you through those times. And, and we've had, we had one gift in this church that was huge because of somebody winning the lottery. And I can tell you right now, we didn't say to him, we can't take that money. (laughs) We did not do that. We prayed for the hundredfold return and blessed them. And we didn't give them a lecture on why they should stay out of the lottery because they're growing in where they are in the Lord. But, I'm, but I do want you to know this. As you grow in the Lord, you become more aware. Isn't that true? As you learn the word of God, you become more aware of whether that's really what God's saying for your life. And so the will of God has a great deal to do with the timing of God. Because then when we get to a place, we'll hear God say, it's not the time and it's not you. <laughs> and that's what he says to David in the scripture. It says in 2 Samuel 7, it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around that the king said to Nathan, the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that's in your heart for the Lord is with you. He, he didn't pray. He just encouraged David, go for it. You want to build the Lord a house? Go build him a house. Well, then Nathan went home, and the Nathan was the prophet. Now, this is in the season where God speaks through prophets, and Nathan was the prophet in, in David's time, and, and he was right alongside David. And it says, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord, everybody say the word of the Lord, came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? He's at, 
You know, he's saying that to Nathan. And then he says, I have not dwelled in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Whether, where, wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken? <laughs> I think this is such a good scripture. Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house in Israel? In other words, whose idea is this? Who thought this up? Did I say that? Did I ever say build me a house? Well, you know, it was just a nice idea. I mean, David just wanted to be nice to God. I'm living in a nice house. God's living in a tent. But God said, I, I never ask anybody to build me a house. And then he begins to speak to him. The will of God. Everybody say the will of God. Now, therefore, thus says, thus shall you say to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you've gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I have made you a great name, like the name of great men, who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Everybody say, make you a house. Now, this is not about a house like a structure. This is about a dynasty or his household, or the people that are going to come after him. In other words, he's going to lift them up. They're going to remain in this lineage. Everybody say lineage. And this is the lineage, you remember, that Jesus came through. So he, he told David, there, you will never lack for one of yours to be on the throne. You will never lack from your people for someone to be on the throne. And he goes on and says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Everybody say seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. So who's going to build the house? The son, who is Solomon. So God is saying, that was a great idea you had, but you will not build the house. That was really nice of you to want to build me a house. However, did I ever ask you to build me a house? What did I ask you to do? And this is what my commentary says, that David, God reminds David of his original intent. Everybody say original intent. We're going to talk about the original intent on Sunday of this nation. You need to be here and you need to bring some friends, especially people who really don't understand maybe that we are fighting a huge battle today for this nation. And, and there's an original intent that we have to go to. And when we walk in the original intent, the anointing of God is on the original intent. And so he says here, this is what it says in my commentary. He, he had an original intent in calling him to shepherd my people, Israel, not to build him a house. And so David's life was dedicated to shepherding the people of Israel. Now, the Bible also says in another portion of scripture that David could not build the house because he was a man of war. And the person who built the temple could not be a man of war. David fought a lot of battles. He fought battle after battle after battle after battle. When Solomon took over, there was rest in the land. Everybody say rest. And so I don't know why it had to be that way. I don't know why God said to do it that way. But how many of you can believe to do it God's way would be the better way? And that has the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. Yeah. 
And so he's not mad at him, but he says, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision so nathan spoke to david now nathan is the same prophet that went to david when david made his had his hiccup way bit back there with bathsheba or ahead it happens after this actually that he has the problem with bathsheba so nathan is someone in david's life that's very important and speaks to him what god is saying now in our lives turn to your neighbor say this applies to you we have the ability to hear what god is saying I do believe God puts other people in our life to confirm what he's saying, but he never puts somebody in your life to direct your life. Can I say that again? Just so don't ever take direction from someone who says, this is what's going to happen in your life. And you have no clue or have never heard that before because God always shows you. That's what it says in Hebrews. They used to have to have the prophet. Now we have Jesus. The Holy Spirit is put on the inside of us. So we can hear what God's saying. And it also means that we're responsible. Everybody say responsible. So we can't say the prophet said. You know, you can't say Pastor Pam said. No. I'm only here to give you the word of God. And it may confirm what you've heard. But I'm not here to tell you what your calling is or where you're going. I'm only responsible for what I know about my life. And what God has told me for my life and my husband the same. So here we see that he's not called to build the temple. However, everybody say, however, <clears throat> if you turn to first Chronicles 29, God gave David the plans for the temple. Everybody say the plans for the temple. He didn't give those to Solomon. He gave those to David. And it says in, in uh, first Chronicles 28, Verse 11, then David gave his son Solomon. Well, first he says in 10, consider now for the Lord has chosen you. He's talking to Solomon to build uh, for you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans. Everybody say the plans for the vegetable, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. That's the temple. Because that's the mercy seat is where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be in this place. And the plans, everybody say, and the plans of all that he had by the Spirit. All that David had by the, by the, so who told David how to build the temple? God. And he told it to him, not to his son. But he said, but you won't build it, your son will build it. You know, oftentimes we think, oh, you know, what would God care? What does God care who does what? Everybody say he cares. He cares and he has a timing for everything under heaven and earth. And then it says here, uh, of the courts of the house of the Lord, of the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, of the treasuries of the dedicated things. Also for the division of the priest and the Levites for all the work. In other words, God, if you read all of this, you will see in verse 19, all this said, David, the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. So David is the one who hears about what's going to come, but he's not the one who does it. Then he turns to his son and says, so be strong and of good courage. That means he's, the job is his. 
And he says to him, and do it, and do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you've finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Now, God goes one step further. Then he says, then it says, and David gets out all his cash. Hallelujah. He's the man of war. He has all the spoils. You go back and read all those battles and they took the spoil and they took the spoil and they took all the gold and they took all the silver and they took this and they took that. David has all that. You know, Solomon is just, you know, fallen into a good thing here. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the way it looks from the scripture. Because then it says, furthermore, King David said to the assembly, my son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, is young and inexperienced and the work is great because the temple is not for man but for the Lord God. Now for the house, now this is this is what he brings. Everybody say provision. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, I have set my affection on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house, my own special, my own special treasure. Everybody say my own special treasure. So what he was given up to then was what belonged to the kingdom, to the king. But now he says, out of my own money, out of, out of my own stuff, out of my own treasure of gold and silver, I'm giving 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house. Uh, this down here in my Bible says their total value of all of this, the, of what's going on here is 5,000 tons. Now, David was a wealthy man, and he could have built the temple. Obviously, he's the one who has the plans, and he's the one who's got all the money. But he's listening to God. Everybody say, listening to God. And he's come to a time where God has said, you don't build the house, your son builds the house. And, you know, you can look back and say, well, you know, uh, like father, like son, Solomon. Solomon did the two things that God commanded the people never to do. He multiplied in horses and women. Just want to share that with you tonight. If you have any problem with horses or women, get rid of it. It's not going to work for you. Because God said in Deuteronomy, Israel will never multiply in horses or women. Read it, Deuteronomy 17. And, and you know, David had his own challenges. And Solomon, it went down line and it got multiplied. Because he, the end of him was the multiplication of horses from Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. Why is that so bad? Because it says his trust is in Egypt and not in God. He multiplied his force to be able to win if he had to go to battle with his things and not God. And number two, women. Now, women are not bad. Hallelujah. It says that in the, you know, in the spirit, there's neither, neither male nor female. So I'm standing up here not as a woman. I'm standing up here as the pastor. Women are not bad. But... One is enough. And that's all I got to say about that. Hallelujah. And if Pastor Bill would, he would say that too, wouldn't he? Yes, he would. My poor husband today, he's just such a wonderful man. He, he worked on our house all day. And uh, I think he must have fallen asleep. And I'm sorry he's not here. I think when I left him, he was coming. So he must have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. But. He was power washing our house and trimming bushes and cleaning gutters and doing all that stuff. And we got these two teenage girls running around, so he couldn't get in any bathroom to get here. 
and then I think he must have fallen asleep. So bless his heart. Hallelujah. Well, so David had all this money. And then he went to the leaders and said, hey, if you want to get on this, come on. You can put money in on this deal too. But in chapter 29, in verse 14, everybody say verse 14. He's giving thanks to God for all that he has. This is David. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, he says to God. Everybody say all things. And of your own we have given you. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house. In verse 16, for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. That's why David was called a man after God's own heart. That's why even God's, his, his mistake, God covered him. God got him through. God got him in the position where he needed to be. And then Solomon followed. There's a timing with God that follows the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. And if you understand the will of God, then you have to be obedient to the will of God. It wasn't David. It was Solomon that would build the house. And Solomon and David released it to Solomon, but God gave him everything to get that job done. Okay. Now I want you to look at one other scripture, uh, Habakkuk two, Habakkuk two, and uh, you can find it in your Bible. If you can find uh, Micah and Nahum, and then you get to Habakkuk in my Bible, it's page one, two, two, six. I don't know if that helps you, but that's where it is. Okay. And this, Oh, there he is. Hi, honey. You didn't fall asleep. Oh, good. Okay, because we got company coming. You got to rev back up. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, let's look at Habakkuk 2. This is what it says in 2 2. Then the Lord answered me. Everybody say, The Lord answered me. Well, who's he answering? He's answering this prophet named Habakkuk. And he is just fed up. Everybody say, Fed up. <laughs> he is fed up with. Uh, the enemy always overrunning Israel. And, and so he, he says in chapter one, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering and violence are around me? There is strife and contention arises. Therefore law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. How many of you think this sounds like you sometimes? Or me, or the world, or whatever. See, he's, he's saying, what is the deal? And he gives God this whole lecture, and then God tells him he's going to send the enemy, and they're going to overtake him and destroy him. Well, he doesn't like that answer either. So he goes back and talks to God some more. And then finally, at verse 1 of chapter 2, which we rarely read, this is what Habakkuk says. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch and see what he will say to me. And what's the last part? And what I will answer when I am... <laughs> corrected. He already knows he's in trouble. Okay. And so it says, then the Lord speaks to him and says, answer. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. What is he saying? I have told you what I'm going to do. Write it down. Everybody say, write it down, <laughs> write it down and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. There's a timing issue because it will surely come. It will not tarry. What he's saying is, if I've said I'm going to do it, I am going to do it. 
Now, there may be a lot of steps that are in between and a lot of steps that don't look like the steps that it ought to be or maybe the steps that you want to go through, but it's God's plan. Everybody say it's God's plan. It's God's will. And in the midst of that, even if you get out of God's will like David did, he will still rescue you in that place because he has a timing. Everybody say a timing. We talked about that last week with Pastor Bill going to Bible school. And God said he has got to get back in school because he has to stay on my timetable. And uh, I heard it. Pastor Bill heard it. Well, this is the last verse. Behold, this is verse 4. Behold the proud. This is what we don't want to be. The proud person always wants their way in everything. They want it to be in their timing. They want it to be their thing that they want to do. And then it says his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. To live there, that word uh, means to stay alive, be preserved, flourish, enjoy life, live in happiness. How many people do you know that are waiting on the timing of God that are living like this? See, that doesn't always happen. Why is that? Because they're not living by faith. They're not living by the vision. They're living by what is happening to them. And, and we have to trust that God's timing and his, his plan is better than what we know or what we could do. It says that they breathe, are alive, are animated, recover health. They live continuously. The fundamental idea is to live and breathe, breathing being the evidence of the life in the Hebrew content, concept. So God wants us to be joyful in wherever we are. How many of you have heard my husband say we should be the most joyful people? On the face of the earth. I can tell sometimes that he's looking at a lot of faces that are not joyful when he says that up here. And sometimes he says it to me and my face isn't joyful. But this is what it says in my Bible. And I want you to, the five things that are listed here, I believe will help you stay in God's timing and know the will of God. Meet with the Lord regularly in a special place of prayer. You know, God does speak when you're driving down the street. But I'm telling you this, when I am sitting in the park, And I am writing in the word of God. I had never seen ever till today when I read that part that said that two of the things that really caused uh, Solomon's demise, God had already warned about back in Deuteronomy. The multiplication of horses, I would have never thought of that. Never saw that before. And I was sitting there, I thought, that is really exciting, God. Because years ago, God said to me when I was in Tulsa, don't you get on a horse and ride back to Egypt. I was about to, hallelujah. And then my friend came over and knocked on the front door, and she said, this is what she said to me. God said to me that, uh, you'll, that, that you need to let go of the reins. I thought, well, who are you to come tell me about letting go of the reins? I knew what God had told me. Don't ride the horse back to Egypt. She said, let go of the reins. About a week later, God said, just get off the horse. Because <laughs> you aren't going to be able to control yourself. And I knew that was God. But when I read that today, I thought, well, thank you, Jesus. I wouldn't end up like, I could have ended up like Solomon if I'd have got that horse going the wrong direction. You know, what it is, is when you trust in anything other than trusting in the will of God, you set yourself up for destruction. We can't go there. Everybody say, I can't go there. And so these five things, look for God to speak to you in the dreams and visions. Listen for the word of God. Keep a journal of things that God says. And lastly, wait for God. Everybody say, wait for God to bring it to pass. Okay? Now, I want to share with you just something that happened, and I, and I want to share it with you tonight. God is so good in the way that he instructs us and leads us. And um, I've been doing this position for 
four years. And we know that, you know, Pastor Bill felt to go into the missions area, go to the Sudan, the things that God called him to do. In the beginning, you all know that I didn't really think that was a great idea. But, you know, he continued to pray for me. And finally, in the timing of God, everybody say timing of God, I came to the realization that's what I was supposed to do. And I've done that. Um, and, and I've done that for four years. And in, I'll be 65 here in about a month. Hallelujah. Just got my <laughs> Medicare card. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look out, honey. I'm a Medicare person. Hallelujah. And I found out that they can tell you what you can have done. Now, I'm really going to get radical about this. Now, I'm going to get involved. <laughs> How many of you know when it affects you, you get involved? You want to get involved. But anyway, I don't feel 65. I've got a lot to do. I'm not planning to sit down or anything. But I know in my heart what God told Bill and I when we came and started this church. He gave us a vision. He told us what we would do. He told us that we would, we would build a, a building. You know, we would, we, at least I knew my husband would find the building. He's always believed that we would get the building before we were done. And so we're in the process of that right now, um, that we would have a Christian school. A lot of things he's told us we don't have right now. We, we haven't, those are not things we've done. However, when we first came back, we were, um, we left Tulsa. We left uh, with our daughter who was going to be a senior. Did not seem like God's timing that we take Lori out her senior year and bring her to, to West Lafayette. But God said, everybody say God said. Even Lori didn't think that was a good idea. Hallelujah. But we, we knew it was God. And we left John in Tulsa, which I had prayed desperately for John. Because he had a girlfriend that I did not think was the right girl. But, you know, he w- and, and Elizabeth was this girlfriend's friend. And, and so John, I had prayed, God, just give him a wife. I don't care what, just find him a wife. Because I cannot leave him here. I mean, I cannot leave him here with this girl. Well, he comes in my office and he sits down. He's, he's crying a little bit. And he says, I just broke up with, and he said, this girl. I said, well, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> dry up the tears, suck it up. We are, we are headed in the right direction. And then out his mouth, he said, and I'm going to marry Elizabeth. I thought, what? <laughs> the girl who told me she's drinking, you're drinking, and you're all drinking? Hallelujah, we're getting better every day. And so, because she had come down in, in, the, in the line to get prayed for in the maybe center, and I was there, and the Lord said to me, that's that girl John knows, go pray for her. So I go to pray for her. Billy Joe said, go to the back and visit with the people you're praying for. I get back there. She is horrified because she is now stuck with me, and she's come to the altar to get her life right, and she is stuck with me. And she looks at me, and she goes, I, I have a little problem uh, with drinking. I said, it's no problem. And then I'm thinking, ah, oh, she's with John. And the other girl. Oh, yeah. She told me how you were ministering to her right after that. So we're the associate pastors or assistant pastors. We're over all these things. I've got his girlfriend who I'm going to pray for won't drink. And she tells me she's really worried about him because of the state he's in. I'm thinking, I wish I'd have never come to this altar. I was better off. I didn't know any of this. Send, send somebody else, God. But God said, no, you've got to use your faith here, you know. So I thought I had it under control. She was going to be all right. I was going to have to really pray more for him. And 
And then all of a sudden he ends up in my office crying. And I'm thinking, praise Jesus, he broke up with that girl. I'm getting ready to leave. We're going to leave in six months. This has got to be fixed. And then he says to me, and I'm going to marry Elizabeth. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and, and so I didn't know anything to do except pray. I said, God, he's, yeah, he finds a wife. And the Lord said to me, this is what the Lord said to me. She is the one. Her mother trained her. He said, don't look at what you see. She's trained by her mother, and she will be his wife. And I thought, well, fine then. I'm I'm out. (laughs) See you, Elizabeth. Good luck. And uh, so we left and came to here. Well, they followed us. Uh, They followed us, and uh, they got married, and then they had Daniel, and then they lived in our basement, and that was a great time when we had him in the basement. And uh, I haven't time for all that story, but, and uh, so we, you know, we, we're still walking this faith walk. And, uh, and so the church is growing, you know, and John, John's still, you know, we're still praying for John and, and Elizabeth's now praying for John, you know, and too, cause she was really doing good. And so she's praying for John. And so then, uh, we go, John graduated from college and, and, and I don't know what happened except I'm just going to have him share just for a second what God did with him. Uh, so, you'll, so you'll understand this story. Go ahead. Uh, when I was 17, and, and I, I was over at, uh, at Victory Christian Center at, at the school there in Tulsa, and uh, I was becoming a senior, and uh, my life was, was going the right, I was headed in the right direction at that point. I hadn't turned around the other way yet. But uh, my, right, my wife was going in the right direction, and, uh, you know, I mean, I ran for the, I was, gonna, I was the, the student body president and was headed in the right direction, and, and God really called me into the ministry, and I, and I really felt like I, I, I had that call in my life, and, and then I, I just went like 180 miles the wrong direction, and, and for years when we moved back here, I would come and I'd, I'd, I'd cry just about every service, uh, because when you're in the presence of God, you can't run away from the things that are on the inside of you, and you've, many of you have experienced that, I've seen you cry, so we can move on by, but I, I would hide behind that pole. And uh, I could sit back in there, and nobody could really get to me uh, with those, those vision eyes that she has. And, uh, you know, I was safe. But there, there came a time it, as I moved up to, like, that, that last year of school that I still wasn't doing anything that I was really supposed to be doing. But I had one of those moments like Pastor Bill had in the shower. And it was, it was, it was vivid. And, and, and it, God spoke to me and said, the, the ship is going to move. It is going to leave, and you're not going to be on the ship unless you change. And that was it. I mean, I, I, at that point, the timing, I mean, it was, it was not, don't play around till you hear that either. You know, I mean, it's better to get on the ship first before you do that. You're going you're gonna to save yourself some trouble. But I, I got to the point where, where that word, I mean, I knew that was the case. And, and in my heart, the last thing I wanted to do was disappoint God. And I was going to miss his timing and my life. I was not going to see the things that God had promised me. And so, man, I'm telling you, that was it. I, I gave it up, got baptized, and went on my way. And I didn't, I mean, it was like night and day. Went to Pastor Bill's office, and I sat down with him in the office, and I said, I'm done. And he said, what, what do you mean? I said, I'm done drinking. I'm done with it. I'm out. I, I'm on board. And he said, really? And I said, Yes. And I, he looked at Elizabeth and he said, is this true? Because <laughs> we can't trust you. And I said, uh, and she, <laughs> I had to do a breathalyzer before I left the office. It was all good. Everything was fine. 
But one day, see, and that's why when people come to me and they say, I'm drinking and I can't stop. Yes, you can. When they say, I'm smoking and I can't stop. Yes, you can. Because one day I did and one day I didn't. And once I made the decision to fall for God, now that doesn't mean I wasn't, I had to keep working at it. And I had to keep praying in the Spirit. And I had to keep doing it. But I, I, I changed. I was going to miss the timing and I couldn't let it go. Hallelujah. Everybody say, praise God. <laughs> praise God. And, um, and I just remember he, he was so excited. He had gotten a classroom down at North Montgomery. And, uh, and, and so Bill, he wanted us to come see where his classroom was. And you know how excited John gets. And so we pulled up in this parking lot. And we were driving along. And we looked in the window. And here was John. <laughs> and he said, there he is. I said, yep, there he is. And then Bill turned around, he was just, tears were just pouring down his face. And he said to me, everything we're doing, God just told me, we're doing for him. Everything we're doing, we're doing for him. And so from that day on, we knew he would take our place. See, some people come to this church and say, oh, you just have all this family involved. You know, there are people who don't like that. I thank God for it. And if you read the Old Covenant, God intended for it. There were in family lines. I mean, David, Solomon, da 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 And so when, when God said that to my husband, I said, really? And I mean, you've got to remember, he's only six weeks. You know, we're still. You know, <laughs> we are watching you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so uh, me probably more than Bill, because I do. I am the guard, you know. I'm, I'm known as the warden. The warden, hallelujah. But, you know. I said, really? I mean, I knew John had a call on his life. But, you know, I just, I, I, I didn't think of it. I hadn't thought that far out. God thinks way far out. And so when you see John starting to do more, John, I, I believe now that we're at a season where John will start doing more and more. And, and you know, I decrease, he increases. And, and Bill's already, I'm not sure if he's decreased, but he's certainly in another arena. <laughs> He hasn't decreased. He's increased over there, but he's not involved in this arena. It's just John and I. And, and I have no problem with that. And, and so all of you need to be aware of the fact that, see, God has timing. And so it's not like uh, we're, we're just trying to promote our son. That's why I'm sharing this tonight. And, and I believe I've been asking God for the last year, okay, where are we in our timing here? You know, what do I keep doing? Because none of us can hold on to what we're doing. We have to hold on to God. And we hold on to the plan and the will of God. And when you do that, then it's not about you. It's about God. It's about a vision. This church is about a vision. And if John's going to take it, then he takes the vision that God gave us. And he takes that vision. He may add to it with John. He may, I don't know what he'll do with it. But I know this next year will be another transition a year. John will do more and more. I will do less and less. I don't know when I leave. I mean, I love all of you. I'm not looking to leave. But I am willing to do whatever God says. Because like Solomon and David, there's a time. And there's a person. And God does that. God plans all of that. And so when I had been praying about that, uh, John had always said to us, uh, yeah, that's fine. Just, Bill, you can just go to the Sudan. You know, you go on, honey. <laughs> Dad, you just take it and go. Hallelujah. I'm not going to the Sudan. And we knew that the vision for the Sudan was for the whole church. So if John's going to lead, at some point he's got to have that vision in his heart. And just a month or two ago, he came to my car and he said, Mother, I think God really wants me to go with Bill to the Sudan. I really want to go. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh. 
Everybody say, huh? See, God knows how to do things that we want to make people do or we try to get people to do. But what that said to me was the timing is moving toward him doing more because his heart is taking the things that belong to the vision. So I don't say that to lift him up or to lift us up. I'm just trying to help everybody here understand. It's the same in your life. And there are many people who won't let go when it's time to let go. Because, well, what am I going to do? You know, I, I, I have no clue what I'm going to do. But I can tell you this. God surely got something because he always does. Hallelujah. And when it's time, he'll open the door and then that will happen. But in the meantime, we have to be willing not to hold on to things that don't belong to us. We have to know the will of God. And there are many people living in things they don't even really enjoy, don't even really like, and they're holding on to it because it's, it's kind of like their thing. And God says, no, just let go of that and give that to who's supposed to have it because I have this for you. And once you have that trust and confidence in God, that with God's timing, there's a will. There's a will for your life and a plan for your life. And it can only get better and better if you connect to that timing of God in the will and plan of his life, for your life. Amen? Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you that, that we are going from glory to glory in this church. We, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we thank you, Lord, that you have guided every person that's standing in this room has been guided by your hand, even though they may tonight, you may be standing in the wrong place. But I'm telling you, God is with you. God is with you. Because he said, if you know me, I will never leave you or forsake you. So whatever place you find yourself in tonight, this is my question to you. Are you sure you're in the will and plan of God? Because if you're not in the will and plan of God, then, then until you start moving in that, then the timing will be on hold. How many of you in here with your, uh, just looking up here at me, how many of you wished you were further along than you are? <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to pray for you tonight that if you're not where you're supposed to be, that you will be willing to step into where you are supposed to be. Because once you step into the will of God, I mean, the river is flowing. <laughs> I mean, you want to get your paddle out and say, whoa, not hurry up, God. And so if you're, if you're in a season of waiting, then you should be enjoying it. Because it said that when you live by faith, you enjoy where you are. And so that's my prayer for every one of you. That if you are tonight in the wrong place, God will show you. And if you're in the right place and you're waiting, that you will begin to rejoice. Knowing that God is working on your behalf. He who began a good work in you. We'll complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.